filled with information. Where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! On today's Get Ready for the Future show, the government is here and is here to help. No, really, they are. We're talking identity theft and how you can protect yourself from the nation's most common financial problem. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. And we welcome you into the Get Ready for the Future show. Scott Inman is away. I, I, I said on the Fastest Four that he is supporting the leisure economy uh, this yeah. week. Uh, and and so I, I'm sitting in for Scott. And the uh, and we talked about the fact that you can only be adequate when you sub, uh, substitute for the Scott Inman. The Scott Inman. That's, that's right. right. And <laughs> Troy Johnson is here from our Bryant office uh, to join us in the discussion today about uh, identity theft and protecting your pockets. You know, guys, I think it's kind of interesting that we live in the south where you know protection is a big thing yeah. you know everybody's got a gun and you know protects their house and some people have way more guns than they can possibly shoot at one time you know if they're we have more in, guns than people for yes, sure probably yeah. <laughs> so but how many people are vulnerable to this thing of identity theft and it's one of those things that we hear about a lot and and you know if you get caught up in it it's a real problem, but do we really think about protecting ourselves in the same way we think about physically protecting ourselves? Yeah, I don't think a lot of people think about it until it happens to them. And guys, in many cases, at that point, it's really kind of too late. I mean, it can be fixed, but it requires a whole lot of time and, and effort to kind of recover everything's after the, everything after that point. So really, we want to talk about fraud and identity theft. Um, they, they kind of go hand in hand, but there is a difference difference between the two and both of those are things that you really need to understand well and we're, we've got uh, some expert an expert coming in uh, from the FBI now Troy was kind of concerned about the FBI showing up today uh, thankfully they're going to be on Skype and they won't uh, really actually have access to Troy and maybe uh, drag him off with them as they leave or anything like that <laughs> yeah that's good news because I was I was going to run whenever they got here but, <laughs> but, but on a for real note you know um, the coronavirus like everything else it really exacerbated um, identity theft and we're going to look at some numbers on that here yeah. in a little bit but i was kind of shocked when we were getting ready for this show yeah it is incredible how much that has ramped up and by the way uh special agent uh, peyton tucker from uh, the little rock office of the fbi is going to be joining us uh, in our next couple of segments so you want to definitely stay tuned for that but janet let's dive in on on uh, what this this threat really is i think it's important that that uh we understand that that you and the people that that give you advice are very highly vigilant on this issue of identity theft we yeah. deal with it every day uh, because we are constantly checking and protecting and making sure that the personally identifiable information that we have possession of for our clients is being well taken care of. Well, let's talk about email. I mean, that's something so simple that we all use really every day. And so let's say we have a client who, a, a legitimate client emails us and says, hey, I need you to send me $10,000 out of this account. Well, you know what? We're, we're not going to do it. Not just based on that email. That's one of the ways that we protect against fraud in this case. So we will call that client and confirm Hey, I got an email, just wanted to make sure that this was from you legitimately and, and then talk through everything. And they ultimately still get what they wanted, the, the money that they're requesting and need from their account. But that we've seen attempted fraud among our client base where somebody's email got hacked and the the you know pretend person uh, they send um, you know an email to us and to the companies that we represent asking for money to be sent and even falsified documents and all of that now we caught it because we're in good contact with with our clients and that's just something that we're consistently focused on but it is very real and there are a lot of people who have been scammed in that type of situation really pretty easily. And we're going to get more in depth into how we protect your email uh, or your your assets, your, your personal assets as we go into the show. But Troy, I want to kind of draw the, the uh, conclusion here that, yes, there could be somebody 
overseas or some common criminal trying to access your personal information, but sometimes it's a lot closer to home. Yeah, and this will be a good thing to speak with the FBI agent that's going to be on the show later. But, you know, what we've seen is that sometimes it is somebody that's overseas across the the ocean, but a lot of times it's actually a family member. Yeah. So it's another thing to look out for. And we never want to think about that, but, but you have to be aware of that, too. There may be people in your family that know about your finances that may want to, you know, extract some of that and get it for themselves as well. Now, you may be wondering why we're making such a big deal out of this. Well, it is a big deal. Uh, Cases of identity theft in the United States doubled in 2020, mainly due to cyber criminals taking advantage of people that were affected by COVID-19 who filed for government benefits. Maybe they filed for unemployment. Maybe they didn't even file for unemployment, but all of a sudden you get in the mail this notice that unemployment benefits have been filed for in your name. I know that's happened to a lot of people that we know. Yeah, we've absolutely seen that quite a bit in the last year or so. And, you know, you talked about the numbers doubling, but depending on which category we're talking about, some of them were way more than a double. So, like, in 2020, as an example, there were 394,280 80 reports about government benefits fraud compared with in 2019 only 12,900. So going from let's just call it 13,000 to 300 over 390,000 claims that are government fraud claims. So when you think about, you know, the number of people who were filing for unemployment benefits and John as you mentioned, people who weren't even filing but there was something filed in their name using yes. their identity. It was very common um, during coronavirus time period. And I think the other thing to consider is even as we get past that reason for people doing this, if they did it once and they didn't get caught, guess what? When circumstances change and there's a different opportunity, different situation, they're going to try it again. And so your personal level of alertness only needs to increase. Troy, this got so bad in the state of Arkansas that I think the Employment Security Division just absolutely had to stop taking phone calls because they were getting so many of them. Yeah, so they're from what I've heard, there's a lot of cases out there where people have called in and they're they're really just telling them there's not much we can do about it right now. Now, hopefully they'll get caught up and they'll get on that. But it does seem like the criminals really figured this out and took advantage of yeah. COVID and, and just came out of the woodworks. Well, and the other thing that, that really did ramp up during this time was not only unemployment benefits, but also people uh, really trying to defraud the government with all of the various stimulus checks that were going on. Yeah, and, and there was also the small business loans. You know, we talked about the PPP program, all of that. So let's talk about small business loans. People reported 99,650 cases of fraud involving business or personal loans compared with 43,000 in 2019. So a little over double on that. Yeah, I think that one of the most egregious things that I saw in this regard uh, was all of the, the Paycheck Protection Program fraud that was going on because obviously there was a set amount of money that the government had to provide for that paycheck protection program and people were like making up companies that they supposedly were running and they had all these hundreds of employees that they were trying to get this paycheck protection money for and it just turned out to be false it it was not even an entity that they were were working with and so as you know the government kind of has time to work through that and deal with that some of that stuff is actually, you know, coming to to a uh, to fruition, and people are understanding the the enormity of this fraud. Yeah, and when we talk about identity theft, I think sometimes people wonder. Okay, let's say my identity gets stolen. What does somebody? What do those people actually do with it? Well, it, there's several things that they can do. They can apply for credit. Mm-hmm. They can. Uh, they can file taxes. Actually, so when they do that, they try to receive a your tax return, basically. Yeah, and if then, you get a, if you're getting a, re, even, a if you're, even if you're not getting a refund, they dummy up a tax return to make it look like they're getting a refund, and then they try to intercept the the refund check. Right, and then the other thing that I thought was interesting, they can actually get medical services. Yeah. Um, using your identity. So. Wow. I, I did not know that. That that's an interesting part of that that you can actually uh, access the the coverage that you have on your health insurance well and so what happens in this situation is your credit score is at risk and and if you are still at a stage in life where you finance anything 
or you rent, you know, whatever the case may be, then if your credit score matters for anything, then this is very important to you because even if they don't take assets that belong to you, there's there's scripture that says a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. They may be getting great riches, whether they're yours or not. They may be getting those riches, but they're destroying your good name, and that good name matters for you financially. Yeah, because they're likely not to pay the bill when it comes right. in on the on the credit card or what have you. And I, I think that is also interesting to note that if they are accessing your medical services uh, that you have available through health insurance, yeah. they're also creating a a fictitious history of medical uh you know causes that that right. you you don't have so like if you later go to apply for life insurance then there's this medical issue in your history that really is not your issue yeah and so that can be very very troublesome and so the reason that we're focusing on this today is that this you know crops up and and is on fire for a while like it was during uh the covid period and and you know the the height of the pandemic but then it dies down and people kind of get distracted and they kind of go along their merry way and they decide that's ah, not that big a deal until it fires back up again. We want you to be vigilant. We want you to really understand, number one, the threat that is out there to you, your money, your retirement. A lot of things could be involved in this. And then secondly, to know what action to take. And Troy, I think that that as we uh, get ready to hear from the FBI on this subject, there are a few key things that we could focus on to try to help people kind of get their minds right about this. Yeah, the number one thing that I can think of is think about how many people are driving around listening to their show right now that have their social security card in their wallet. Yes, and, we, and the socials and dates of birth of their children right, as written well. Right, down on a sticky yep. note or something. Take that out. You know, Find some other way, some password-protected way to, to store that mm-hmm. and get it out of your wallet because that's the number one thing. I know I've, wa- I've lost... 10 wallets in my life. If I'd have had my card in there, I would, that would have been a headache. <laughs> well, and we see that all the time because we'll ask, you know, husband and wife come in, they're getting ready to retire. We start asking them about information for their beneficiaries. And we do need to have that. We have to have date of birth. And sometimes we have to have the social for the social for the uh, beneficiary as well. So it's legitimate for you to provide it in some situations. But I can't tell you how many times I have seen the man in particular uh, pull out his wallet pull out this old yellowed piece of paper that's been in there since the last child was born and they have you know the penciled in information well john you and i remember a time when our social security numbers were our driver's license number and they were on our checks they were they were everywhere for everybody to see that was old school people didn't do stuff like they do it now they changed that for a reason yes they did change it for a reason and you need to take that piece of paper out of your wallet it doesn't need to be there the other thing i would say and and we'll dive into this a little bit more in our fourth segment but the other thing that i would say is that be patient with folks that are confirming your identity. You know, if you call GenWealth, we're going to basically try to confirm your identity. If we don't know you, know your voice and, and that type of thing, we're going to be sure that that we are talking to the person that we think we're talking to. And so sometimes that's a little bit frustrating. If you're in a hurry and you want to just get something done, uh, you can get a little bit miffed about the fact that somebody's asking you several right. questions. I know when we call to our broker dealer, LPL Financial, mm-hmm. they go through several questions to make sure that we are who we say we are so when we have access to personally identifiable information i'll get it out in a minute uh, (laughs) that we are the right person to have access to that information yeah so just just be patient and uh, as we've talked about don't give out your personal information except in the cases when it's needed obviously you know if you're talking to somebody at the bank if you're talking about your investments uh, talking with insurance people those are some examples of cases where those people do actually need that personally identifiable information most other people don't really need it don't give it to them one other thing we'll mention if you are a victim report it immediately don't don't give into the shame of this there's no shame in it you certainly need to report it in order to protect yourself all right we're going to be uh joining uh joining us in just a moment is going to be special agent uh taylor from the fbi we're going to talk a little bit about more about identity theft coming up on the get ready for the future show 
Guys, I think we'll all agree that if we are not the experts in the subject that we're dealing with, we reach out to folks that that really do know about whatever that issue is. And so today on the Get Ready for the Future show, we are very, very happy to have joining us a special agent from the FBI office in Little Rock, Peyton Tucker. And uh, he's going to join us uh, in our discussion about identity theft. And Peyton, we we really thank you so much for joining us. Looks like you're joining us from the locker room of the FBI. Is that where you're at? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trying to find a uh, quiet place uh, in this outfit's pretty hard. So yeah, I, I'm back in our evidence response area where we've got... Uh, I'm in charge of this group as well, and so I'm able to uh, capitalize on that by stealing the uh, location away from everybody else so nobody interferes. There you you go. So let's kind of set the stage here a little bit. We've talked in in our uh, mindset about identity theft and and what we have to deal with here at GenWealth, but let's just talk broaden it out to the public in general. Who needs to be concerned about identity theft? Uh, Everybody does. We we used to, when when I first started almost 15 years ago, we talked a lot about identity theft in terms of the elderly, which it's still a problem. Elder fraud is still uh, rampant, and we are still looking into that. Uh, but it's it's really broadened out. I, I think with the availability of online through um, apps, I mean, everything you do financially is you're doing it digitally, you know, basically. Now, we used to talk about, I remember giving presentations when I first started about making sure you check your mail, your your mailbox frequently, right, for checks. You know, when you get the checks mailed to you or when you got anything, it's making sure uh, your your trash is getting um, taken care of, you're, you're shredding, whereas now that doesn't happen anymore. And so what that is is that opens up a whole new group that is um, – could be taken advantage of, and that's people that are using things. So it, it it's not just the elderly more. Everybody from 16-year-olds up through 80-year-olds are somebody that are at risk for identity theft. Peyton, you've talked about who's at risk. Let's talk a little bit about who's doing this. Who's on the bad side of the equation here? Because, uh, you know, stereotypically back in the in the uh, early days, at least from our exposure to this, it was, you know, an email from a Nigerian prince, uh, that type of thing. Um, but it's much more widespread now, so including even family members. So let's talk about, you know, who can be on the list of the bad guys? Yeah, I, I think you said it right there. Not no, don't get me wrong. The Nigerian princes are still out there. Yeah. So that is still something uh, not Nigerian. You know, we also, also there's a lot more of just we call them romance scams where it's somebody finding someone online, uh, you know, that is at home, especially during this COVID time. Uh, they're reaching out and all of a sudden somebody's interested in them and they've been by themselves. Uh, that's it. But um, it's everywhere now. It is uh, people here in the United States because used to we thought this is somebody over in Eastern Europe who is running through and they've just got a bunch of names. But but now it's here. It's anybody from uh, somebody you live around to family, re- regrettably, sometimes it's family, to it's uh, places of employment when people are trying to hire people or you're working from home. Um, it's it's everywhere, and so it, it's it's something that you've got to be aware of. It may not be somebody that far away. It may be somebody close to you physically. Peyton, what uh, what methods do these people use to commit this fraud? Uh, I guess the first I just kind of talked about it. It's that that Nigerian prince scheme, which you call it a romance scam. You call it a confidence scam. There's tons of names for it, but it's hey. Uh, I need you to open a bank account uh, for me or I need to open a bank account in your name so that I can get some money. You know, can you provide me that information? Um, That's one way of doing it. Uh, Another way is people are still hack. I mean, computer hacking is still prevalent. I mean, that's happening all the time. We are a lot more um, alert to it and businesses are ready to uh, fight back quickly. Used to um, you didn't see it as quickly, but more companies are employing these professionals who are experts in IT security, which is helpful to us uh, because they are watching it and able to shut it down. Um, but a lot of these hacks that happen, sometimes people will obtain personal information and hold on to it for months or a year, and then you're not quite sure where it's coming from. Um, but also it's, it's stuff that's written down, paperwork that didn't get uh, taken care of quickly from a doctor's office, a bank, you know, things that that PII didn't get uh, destroyed um, as it should be. And so 
any method. And then sometimes it is just friends who are calling around saying, hey, I need your name, social security number, and people are just giving it. And you will, we've arrested people and you will see notebooks just full of names, social security numbers, and it wasn't under threat of arrest. It was just like, I need this. And it's like, okay, here you go, which wow. you ask these people why, and they, they just said, well, they asked for it. I said, well, that doesn't make any sense. But uh, <laughs> then again, we're dealing with criminals, so it, it's not like uh, we're dealing with professionals who work in the financial industry. So you're, you're, you're talking very specific cases where, you know, there are people that, that uh, you know, go in and, and access this information. But what the public sees oftentimes is not those cases, because those cases kind of get handled uh, fairly quietly. But the public sees these cases that are where there's a big data breach, like with Target mm-hmm. or Equifax or, or your, your, bank. Yeah, your yeah. bank or whatever uh, the case may be. Uh, tell us a little bit about those big cases. And, and you mentioned earlier about, you know, people holding on to information. That's the thing that kind of concerns me about those big cases is they have so much data that it may be years before this actually surfaces. That, that's exactly right. I mean, it, it's trying. I mean, it's it's next to impossible. Um, I mean, in the to track it down like, oh, this was the single event. I mean, I. I'm sure like many of you, I've gotten the alert from my credit card company that says my credit card was used somewhere else. Well, I'm trying to remember. I've used it. Uh, My wife has used, you know, it's gone. With those cases like that, you know, we're usually focused initially on who's doing that hacking. You know, they're the ones that are initially. And so that's what our cyber team will focus on that part of it. Um, And what we'll try to do is get out to the people who have been their personal information, which I'm sure lots of people have gotten those contacts, whether by email or some way saying your personal information was taken. But uh, we're trying to track down, let those people know and start being aware and start tracking that. And um, That's what it is. It's trying to tell everybody, you've got to be more vigilant to what's going on, whether it's that uh, credit report every year, it's locking down things when you're traveling, um, it's using the appropriate methods to, to handle your, your own finances. Let me ask you a couple of questions. You mentioned, um, you know, that that the FBI would try to reach out to these people and let them know what's going on. Um, what does that feel like on the, let me say, the consumer's end? Because frankly, that would be something that I would be like, Mom, seriously, the FBI is not going to call you. you. You know, so so how do they know it's you? Uh, it's it's a hard thing to do. I mean, that, I am dealing with that every day. I talk to somebody. Um, what I do a lot of times, what we do, if there is uh, any indication of like, you're not sure, I always tell people like, I'm calling you. Here's what you can do. You can call our office and I'm not going to tell you the phone number. You look it up on your own, call and you ask for special agent Peyton Tucker and you're going to get back to me. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. now you're not going to be able to call and say, does Peyton Tucker work there? They won't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how we do it. It's kind of let people get out. A lot of times we end up trying to do it in person, you know, if we can. Um, but usually we also have with these larger cases, um, you get contacted by us, but also the Department of Justice. If you're a victim, you will be a part of and you'll see there is a number or there's a website that you can go to and it's uh, locked down. It's very secure for you to kind of be notified of if you had a financial loss or if you're included in that group. Hey, Peyton, uh, on those larger cases, the, the more you know national news type cases, when you all finally track down who it is that's responsible, what's what's the punishment that, that people like that are looking at? It, it really depends. Um, a lot of, I mean, there's so many factors that go into it. Some of those bigger ones, they end up, we've had a, several recently where um, they've been, I've seen, they, they weren't worked out of our office here, but nationally with the FBI overseas, and it's making sure to work with our foreign uh, partners who are helpful to us and, and getting those people brought back over here. Um, but they have been a lot more um, vigilant, and the, the the courts have been better about this. Because used to, it would be you know somebody robs a bank and they'll get ten years, but somebody steals a million dollars, which is way more than they got robbing the bank. Um, you know they didn't get as much. Now that person hacking or stealing the money, there was no gun, it wasn't face to face, and so there's a little bit of a variation there. But they've started uh, coming better with the uh, the punishment because of the effect it has on the economy as a whole. So we're mm-hmm. trying to encourage people to do this, going to digital, going to stuff, especially now in COVID, when you have to. That's the only way. You know, your banks aren't open for you to go conduct transactions like you used to. 
The topic today is identity theft and how it affects you and how you can protect yourself here on the Get Ready for the Future show. Joining us is Special Agent from the Little Rock Office of the FBI, Peyton Tucker. Peyton, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned this just in brief, uh, uh, just a brief moment in your comments about this, but we're in vacation season right now. I think uh, this week is actually the most vacationed week uh, of all weeks of the summer, but I'm going on vacation over in July and it, it really did hit me as you mentioned that you know when you are traveling when you're on vacation you're you're really very vulnerable because you tend to kind of let your guard down to some degree because it's time to relax right right oh yeah that's that's definitely the the time people start you get out of your uh you know your normal every day and so you're a little bit looser right you're not setting your your wallet down in the same place at your house that you're used to setting it down you're not going to the same um gas stations that you know and trust you're going to new ones so yeah it it is very that happens a lot too because you you add that in and then six months from now you're on you you know you've been back from vacation you think it's something that happened recently which it's not true you know it's not always true it could be that it happened back when you were were gone so it's it's a matter of keeping aware during those times as well so for those folks that are are traveling what what are some tips that you could potentially give them so uh you know, you've got that. I mean, people are very hesitant. I know to deal in cash. You don't want to carry around large amounts of cash. That's always helpful. You know, you're not using credit card transactions, but making sure to use those credit cards that are guaranteed. Um, I know that there's ones out there you're able to um, check. Uh, they they have a little bit more of a security um, and are uh, the certain credit cards that will help you. And you guys will know this better than I will, but the ones that will say, hey, you're, you're guaranteed against fraud for a certain amount. But it's also it's checking that. I mean, Everybody should have that on their app and be able to look out, hey, this transaction. I mean, when I'm on vacation, I know my credit card's getting run a lot more. I am keeping up with it. I want to see what all transactions. All of a sudden, three transactions at whatever restaurant, I know that's not true. And I'm going to call right away and let them know, hey, you you swiped it twice. I only had one meal, you know. And uh, I know on vacation I'm eating way more than I should be, but uh, I didn't have two meals. I just had one still. So. (laughs) Gotcha. All right. We're going to continue our conversation with Special Agent Peyton Tucker from the FBI uh, Little Rock office as we delve into the issue of identity theft here on the Get Ready for the Future show. We're back in just a moment. We are talking about identity theft and a lot of the things that that you kind of worry about a little bit, you know, from time to time, it all of a sudden gets heightened back up when we have a situation like COVID come into play and there's a lot of identity theft going on. And we're uh, joined by Peyton Tucker from the FBI office in Little Rock. And Janet, you had a question that you wanted to, to ask Agent Tucker. So Peyton, before you joined us today, we were talking about how much more common uh, fraud had been in terms of government benefits during the whole coronavirus time period. That was something that we saw a great deal of increase in. What's happening right now, and maybe even something regionally, where if you're talking to you know, this part of the country, they need to be aware that if this happens, it's probably a scam. So what's something that might be going on and is a hot topic right now for you guys? Uh, I definitely just kind of echo what you said about the um, the loans that are going out right now for your your PPP, your Paycheck Protection Program, your PUA, uh, your Pandemic un- Unemployment Assistance. The you know unemployment that's the big one. Um, I know that that was just rampant. You know for your friends, your families, even yourself, people that are working at jobs and you know getting contacted by your employer saying you filed for unemployment and it's like no, no, I didn't. You know I didn't file and that's that's the big ones we're really dealing with. I, I, in my mind, this goes back to the old mortgage fraud days. When I first mm-hmm. started working, boy, mortgage fraud was just rampant because, right, you used to not the, the no doc loans, the no stated income loans, things like that. We're back at it again. It's just a different type. And, and whenever it's understandable, uh, we're trying to stimulate the economy and, and we're not trying to stop that. We want people to get there and spend, but, uh, Sometimes it's it's a lot of money coming quickly. You've got to be aware of what's going on. But I would think specifically for our area, the the PUA, which is the unemployment, that's something that's really hitting hard when, when you've got just people already dealing with not able to hire employees and then they're getting 
sent letters saying your employees are filing for unemployment, which they may or may not have. And so it's just adding a lot of hassle to your, to your uh, business owners. So Peyton, as the economy continues to open back up and hopefully unemployment continues to go down, do y'all see that type of fraud um, slowing down some? Yeah. In fact, I, I saw, I thought the other day where they had kind of sent, spent all of, uh, of the, I want to say PPP money and I can't remember which one, but I, one of those is coming out. I mean, that's, that helps, right, in a sense, because they, they've stopped that allocation uh, of, of that money. And, and so some of that will, will slow down. And um, I, I know we here in Arkansas, I, I believe I saw where the day the, the governor is not taking any more, you know, that type of the $300, extra $300, things like that. That will slow down a little bit. But uh, the, the PPP, which that's going to continue because we're, we're still finding out about it. So that will continue to go on for for a while, but uh, yeah, that identity theft, that, I think that's, that's through all, all of this, that's going to stay around for a while. I think as people were doing more things online than ever before, more people were being pushed, right, to, to work online or to handle their finances online. Even those of us, those people who were used to going to banks that, that couldn't for a long, large amount of time. Peyton, obviously you are dedicated to uh, trying to stamp out this, but how much of the FBI's resources are are sucked up by uh, things like identity theft and other white-collar crime? We often think about FBI fighting terrorism and things of that nature, the big dramatic things that we see uh, across the country, but but you guys really are very busy in this white-collar crime area. Oh, it's still – it is one of our top ten priorities. I mean, counterterrorism, counterintelligence – that is definitely still at the forefront, but uh, financial crimes has has been around because you know finances are involved in everything. From you know a lot of these terrorists now are doing it for money. You're hiring people. You've got uh, counter. You know when we're working counter espionage cases, they're trying to pass money off. Money's going through, and a lot of them is they're financing it through financial crimes. So a lot of times our group ends up partnering with every other squad here in Little Rock. And this happens also because of the experience we see working through these financial type of crimes. We see it in a little bit different way. We may not know the ideology behind some of these people, but we've seen the method. That's nothing new about how they do things. And so um, it keeps us busy, uh, you know, call it consulting, but working with these other uh, squads of ours to, to help them with that. Let me circle back to maybe more of an individual focus rather than uh, all the different organizations. So my mom is 80 years old and is very sharp for her age, amazingly so. And uh, she got a call recently from a clearinghouse, not Publishers Clearinghouse, but a clearinghouse. And, you know, it sounded like Edmund Mann was going to come to her door on Friday morning. Well, very early in the call, she told them, my daughter's a financial advisor, I'll have her here. You know, and, and the conversation changed pretty quick. But really, she has been very good about recognizing red flags and staying in touch with me when she gets a phone call. She will contact me immediately when she hangs up the phone. But for people who maybe don't think like she does and and aren't as adept at that type of conversation, what are some of the things that they just need to know and be aware of, especially at that stage of life? I think it's the constant reminder of, you know, if somebody's asking for any of your personal information over the phone, it's not legit. No, nobody's going to do that. No good business does this. No bank does this. It's also setting that plan up uh, ahead of time. You know, it's real hard. I, I have parents. I have in-laws that are both very sharp. But uh, that same thing, it's, it's telling them, hey, let's start discussing this now, you know, but uh, I, I've gotten to a point sometimes we've had people that we've had to go, I just tell them, don't answer the phone. If it's not somebody, yeah. you know, let them leave a message, you know, let, let it do it, not talk to them. It's having somebody else monitoring is a strong word, but having ac- access in some way, whether it's a daughter or a friend, somebody that kind of knows uh, things regrettably we see more. It's, it's not necessarily the online, but somebody coming up and saying, Hey, um, your roof needs fixing, you know, to, mm-hmm. to an elderly grandparent and says, yeah, it's going to cost you $50,000. And everybody, no, that's not, but they're like, I guess it's 50,000. I don't know. I'm not in roofing. And so that's where you start checking for rest of us. I'm like, wait a minute, that's a lot of money. Or let me call my buddy who had his roof done. And he tells me, no, it wasn't that. I think right. that's it. it. It's kind of sharing that information, working together, uh, friends, family, somebody like that, uh, not being, cause we're, 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 a 
I, I don't know. I feel like we all grew up where it's you don't share that finances. You don't talk about it. We've got to be a little bit more having somebody. Sometimes it's good to have somebody that's just uh, can tell you that is ridiculous. You know, don't be doing that type, type conversation. Peyton, I'm wondering, uh, I know there's no panacea to try to protect someone from this, but what about these services that are marketed uh, across the country that, uh, you know, LifeLock would be one of them, and, and there are various others out there, and I know you're not in the business of endorsing one, but how effective are those types of services at fending off this identity theft wave that we see going on? I think they're they're good in just keeping you aware, right? Like if you're not checking your, you know, your free credit report that, that you can get every year, if you're not looking it up, I mean, there's a lot of people that aren't looking at your bank account or your credit card statements or anything else constantly and, and knowing that, that's kind of a, a push for you to start doing that and having somebody kind of looking to, if you don't have a financial advisor that's looking through some of your um, statements to kind of know what's going on, what usual thing. It, it's nice to have that. Uh, it, it is not going to be something, not, any one of them is not going to cure it and prevent it. There's nothing that can happen that way. But, you know, keeping aware, because if you're not checking your, your credit score, you know, then all of a sudden you go to, to buy a house. I mean, there's lots of people refinancing this last few years and that may be the first time they've looked at their credit score in a long time, you know, and, and kind of wondering, well, what does that mean? Where does that go? Um, that that's that's what's key, I think, is just being a little bit more attuned to it. You don't do it every day, you don't do it every hour, but keeping up with that, knowing where where your finances are generally is gonna help you understand to make that next call. Hey Peyton, if someone thinks that they've been a victim of identity theft, is the FBI, their local FBI office, is that the first call they need to make or or what steps do they need to go through? So, so there's several things you want. You want to call, make a police report right away. You call your local police, wherever you're at. Um, you can go to IC3, which is uh, Internet Crime Complaint Center, IC3, and that's an FBI. And that's where it goes in because a lot of times when these get put in, if we start pooling those, we'll maybe be able to figure out pretty quickly on, all right, we have a group uh, that got defrauded and, and there's some type of uh, commonality between them. Um, and we may know like, all right, there's people from all over, but we realized they were all at Disney World, uh, you know, in June of 2021. And we're kind of able to work with our Florida offices, whatever that may be. And so that's that's things that help. And then immediately it's you got to start calling your credit, com- you know, credit cards, your banks, everybody putting everything on lockdown, changing all that stuff. Uh, in fact, that may even be first because they're going to be able to track you a little mm-hmm. bit uh, better. But notifying um now, are we going to be able to call each and every one of those people? We can't do it, you know, and it may just be, but especially if, hey, you didn't lose any money, you saw something, but you're able to get your money back. That's great. We want to know about it because, like I said, connecting with others, but we may not be opening a case directly on, you know, your one kind of uh, identity theft or intrusion. So we've got a little bit more than a minute left, Peyton. I want to talk a little bit about the, you know, obviously the re- uh, reticence of someone to report. Uh, they, they don't want to necessarily report this because either A, they don't think it's a big deal, or number two, and the biggest thing, I guess, is probably they feel somewhat ashamed that they've been taken advantage of. That really has to go by the wayside when you're dealing with something like this, I believe. Yeah, I, I'm, I've had multiple conversations, especially with your your elderly um, mm-hmm. parents, grandparents who are just ashamed of it, and they don't want their friends to know. I mean, we don't share about it, but we also, this happens all the time. They are not the first, nor will they be the last, and I think that's making sure, and, and it is, we're private. We're not letting people know. I mean, that's more than likely it's not getting out there. You're telling me, I'm not telling anybody else, and we're going to keep it that way, but it's better for, you got to think of more of your next friend that's coming through, not just you. So just in summary, I think it's it's important to, to recap, having some trusted person in your life that you can bounce things off of, make sure like Janet was talking about with yeah. her mom and that type of thing, that's a big deal. Being sure that you are vigilant about your uh, who you're giving your information to, that's a big deal. And then certainly not turning away the opportunity to report that just because you feel like you've been a victim. That's correct. You got it. 
All right, great. That's going to do it for our uh, conversation with uh, with Peyton. I, Peyton, I, I really do appreciate you joining us on the Get Ready for the Future show and, and going through the Inquisition today about all of this <laughs> with uh, things that you deal with every day. So thanks so much for being with us. And uh, hopefully we won't have to cross paths again with uh, an identity theft issue. But it's good to know we, we know somebody in high places. Happy to do it. Feel free to call anytime. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks. The Get Ready for the Future show continues in just a moment. If you're wondering where you stand as far as retirement is concerned, you can get a quick checkup for your retirement readiness at 15minuteretirement.com. This is something that we have uh, worked with here at GenWealth to provide you with that snapshot of where you are. A lot of people are working their way toward retirement, but they'd like to just kind of figure out, okay, where am I at on this journey? With 15 minutes with one of our advisors, you can very easily do that. So go to 15minuteretirement.com and and fill out the information there. We're not asking you for any of your personal information that's going to, you know, uh, be subject to the things that we've been talking about on the show today, but we'll get you in touch with a, a financial advisor here at GenWealth, and they'll walk you through the process of 15-minute retirement. Again, that is 15minuteretirement.com. Janet, as we uh, wrap up the show today in our final segment, I think it's important that we talk a lot about where we come down on this whole issue of identity theft and what we're doing to protect our clients here at GenWealth. Yeah, so we kind of alluded to this earlier in the show, if you were with us, um, given some examples about like when we've had people who have um, pretended to be a client of ours and have asked for income via email and and even falsified documents, um, we've been able to catch that. We've not ever had an issue that actually, you know, went all the way through where somebody got money that they should not have gotten. Um, But I think one of the key things that I would say to you is that the relationship with your advisor is important. We know things like, the longer we work with you, we know things like, what's your preferred method of, of communication? Like there are some people who are never, ever, ever going to email me. They will call every single time. So if I ever get an email from that person asking for money, I already know this is, That's not, it. Yeah, this right. is not how they operate. And, and for us to help you understand that when we do get an email, we're going to call you. We're going to validate that request and make sure that it's legitimate. So that relationship with your advisor, it's only going to grow over the years in working with a Gen Wealth advisor. But I believe that that is critical, just like we talked about with Special Agent Tucker a few moments ago, the relationship with a family member for you to be able to talk through things. We get to know you, frankly, sometimes better than your kids do as far as your finances are concerned, for sure. And we know what to expect and what not to expect. And that just really makes a big difference in protecting you. Well, even when we get close with clients, like let's say we've got a client named Joe and we've gotten close with him, formed a good relationship. Well, let's say he moves and and he may send us an email and say, hey, Troy, um, I moved. This is my new address. Well, we're still going to call him and say, hey, Joe, I I know you know that we're looking out for your best interest. But before we update this, let's just make sure this is this is your new address. So that's that's the key is always reaching out and just confirming anything, especially when it's dealing with personally identifiable information. You know, early on when we formed GenWealth Financial Advisors, we wanted to have a relationship with a very large, very reputable organization that was basically our our support system, our back office, our vendor, if you will, for account maintenance and things of that nature. And we formed that relationship with LPL Financial. LPL Financial is is the largest independent broker dealer in the country, and that's all ranked by one of the financial planning magazines. They they have this annual deal, right. and LPL's preeminently always at the top that list. But we did that, Janet, for a lot of reasons. But this is one of them is that they have a lot of protocol. They have a lot of processes in place that protect people from identity theft and and, and fraud on their accounts. They do, as do some of the other firms that we work with as far as I say other firms, but product representatives, those product companies do as well. There are a lot of things that can be put in place. Some of them are standard, but like in the example that I was talking about earlier, where 
somebody tried to send in an email, the product companies actually put something in place that on those particular accounts that they always required a phone call, they always required voice identification through that phone call from that point forward. And so once there was any kind of a red flag, then there were more safety measures put into place. And LPL does a lot of things comparable to that. Troy, one of the things that, uh, you know, people for this was prior to your time joining GenWealth, but right after the financial crisis and the, the whole episode of Bernie Madoff, we had a lot of people come in going, how do I know you're not the next Bernie Madoff? Mm-hmm. And, and the answer always was, look, I'll never ask you to write a check to John Shrewsbury or Troy Johnson. It always is written to either LPL Financial or one of our product vendors. Right. When you're making your IRA contributions or if you have money that you're going to invest or if you're rolling money over from a 401k, that check is never going to be made out to an individual, never somebody's name. That check is going to be made out to LPL Financial or John, like you said, a product vendor if it's going straight straight there. And and there are a list of product vendors on the LPL website. So you're never without that information of being able to verify, okay, is this going to the right place? And you're already going to know because we will have talked about the prospectus for that investment. You'll know what company that is. So that should not come by any surprise to you. The, The other way, and this is different, this is for a financial planning fee. Now, financial planning fee checks could be, would be in our case, be made payable to GenWealth. But again, not to the advisor. They're never going to be made payable to the advisor. But the the fee for financial planning is to pay for the time and the work in putting together the plan for you. It is not your investment. Okay, so your investment is not ever going to be a check made payable to GenWealth even. You always also have to think about signing your own documents. Now, there are electronic signatures and all of that is very secure and that type of thing. So we might email you a document from and it would come from uh, someone here at GenWealth, but it is a an electronic secure signature. But also, you don't want someone signing for you. There is no, no legitimacy to what's called a convenient signature. Uh, you can't just say to your financial advisor, oh, sign that form for me. It'll be nope. okay. That does not work. So you've got to be sure that that, that happens. And you always have to, to uh, do that. But also, Troy, I think it's important that you review your statements each time that they come in, because clearly, you know, you get a lot of mail uh, and you get a lot of mail, frankly, from us. Right. But you need to be sure that you're looking over those statements to make sure they're accurate. Yeah. LPL is going to send you a monthly statement. And then beyond that, LPL also has account view, which is your online mm-hmm. portal where if you want to get in there and look at it every single day, you can. But that's another, you know, just a transparency thing. If, if you've got money invested somewhere, you need to be able to look at it when you want to look at it. Well, and that's something Special Agent Tucker referenced, not necessarily on investment accounts, but talking about things like your credit cards and your bank accounts to look at those regularly. And he used the example of like, I know I didn't eat at that restaurant three, three different meals at lunch. You know, it was just one and swipe the card once. The same type of thing is something that you just need to be looking at your accounts. It is so easy now to look at accounts online. If we're talking about investment accounts and and credit cards, I've got an app on my phone for hours and we pay them off. We don't keep a balance or anything, but I look at like when we were traveling to Boston recently, we did all of those purchases on a credit card, just like Agent Tucker was saying. So we're not carrying a lot of cash, but I was looking at it regularly and my husband uses a card on the same account and I I will, you know, once or twice a week go, honey, what is this one? And just verify that it's a legitimate charge. And the same thing on your investment accounts. If you're looking at income coming out of it, you've got to pay attention to, well, hey, we were only getting $3,000 and there was $5,000 that came out of this. What is that? And if it's going to taxes, okay, you forgot we were withholding taxes for you. That's fine. Everything's good. But if it went somewhere else, then we need to talk. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to circle back to where you started with this conversation, Janet, and that is the relationship with your advisor. Yeah. And I want to expand that out a little bit to talk just for a minute about what we do here at GenWealth. Obviously, the relationship with your advisor does protect you in this particular type 
type of situation. But on a broader sense, the relationship with an advisor and having a plan really does protect you against bad things happening in a lot of different cases, especially as you plan for retirement. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. And we deal with having a plan in a lot of different areas. Just as an example, we haven't really talked about power of attorney today. That's not something that we do, but we'll help you connect with people who do. And that is somebody who can sign on your behalf if it, if it needs to happen. So being intentional about planning and thinking about all of the what ifs, you know, uh, what if what if my account gets, you know, compromised in some way, bank account, whatever, what are you going to do? You need to have a plan to relate to whatever those situations are. And we focus a great deal on retirement income planning, but that encompasses all of these other areas, guys. All right, you've heard the bell. It's time for our final thoughts as we wrap up this show on identity theft. And we'll start with Janet. I would just say to to be alert and also to be in touch with somebody whom you trust tremendously. In my mom's case, anytime she gets a phone call that doesn't sound quite right, she's going to call me or text me immediately and go, hey, honey, here's what's going on. What do you think? And she's she's very aware of what's going on. That's a really good thing, but be sure it's somebody whom you can completely trust. If, if it's not a family member, it has to be a trusted friend. Troy? Yeah, you know, having a plan is a big deal. Your, your plan is not going to keep bad things from happening altogether, but having that plan, you know, it can help you be prepared if they happen, if something does happen to go wrong. I think the my final thought is do not be swayed by this feeling that you've been taken advantage of and you're ashamed of the situation. There is nothing to be ashamed of if you have been a victim of identity theft. Look, there are people all over the country endure this kind of uh, situation all the time. The shame is if you are taken advantage of and nothing happens and, and, and you don't get help. You don't get a way to recover your money. You don't get a way to report that person and have them put in jail for what they've done. That's the shame uh, that could come from identity theft. So please make that report to your local police department. And if it is something that needs to be elevated up to the federal level with the FBI, the local police will assist you in actually doing that. But be sure to not let let this go by and you be a double victim of identity theft and have to endure that that situation as time goes on. Guys, it's great to be with you today. Uh, Scott will be back next week if yeah. they, he doesn't decide to stay on the beach in Florida or something like that. So we'll, <laughs> we'll kind of see how that goes. But we thank you for joining us on the Get Ready for the Future show. Hopefully you've seen something today that will help you out. And if you need some help with us, give us a call. We're here to help you at the Get Ready for the Future show. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building toward financial independence, share the podcast with your friends and family. The Gen Wealth financial team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. GenWealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas-registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC.